0: Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello everybody, Bridget McGowan here and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I have with me today, Alan Carroll. Alan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Bridget. I'm happy to be here.
0: Alan, you have spent more than half a century watching people speak. What stands out the most to you?
1: I have been traveling the world for 50 years, major corporations, over 60 countries, five or six continents, thousands of students and all the different nationalities. And it turns out that what's missing is universal for everybody. And if you could just add this one tool to your ability to speak, it would not only transform your ability to speak, It would also give you access to a transcendent dimension of consciousness, which is labeled mindfulness, presence, enlightenment, satori, emptiness, space. There's a dimension of consciousness which is available if you use this one particular tool. And that's the ability to control the the timing of your speaking While you are speaking, that means the ability to stop, the ability to breathe, relax your body, and the ability to start. The amateurs know how to start, but only the professionals know how to stop.
0: Ooh, that belongs on a (laughs) t-shirt. That belongs on a book or a bumper sticker.
1: (laughs) Well, you're bringing it out of me, Bridget. You're bringing it out of me.
0: I just sense uh, I have that ability from time to time, I think, Alan. Now, what (laughs) is one of the biggest mistakes you think speakers make aside from that timing element? But what do you think is a big misstep that speakers often make?
1: When you are speaking, you are pushing air out of your body and you're making a vibe, you're vibrating the air. I'm vibrating the air right now. That's the yang energy in the Tao. When you pause, there's the inhalation of the air. And when you watch an an amateur speaker speak up on stage and you watch a professional speaker speak up on stage, you can immediately see if there's any space at all At all between the sounds that they make. And once you can create that space consciously between the sounds that you make, you then have access to the ability to control your physical body. And the first thing, the first thing you do when you control your physical body, you take the breath, you ground your body, and you relax. You keep your physical, keep the instrument that's making the sounds in a state of relaxation and when you watch the amateur speakers up on stage they are not grounded they are not planted they're not anchored in the in, in the space they're, they're they are like a a boat that's that's drifting without an anchor they are they are following the thoughts that they're thinking they are trying to catch up with the thoughts they're not able to come to a full stop get grounded breathe and anchor so not so so there's so that empty space opens up huge amount of possibilities about how to perfect your ability to speak.
0: What would you say is the connection between this control of timing and confidence?
1: Well, often it's been said that one of the number one fears that people have is the fear of public speaking. And the reason that is, is because your ego, your identity is on display. And you want your identity to look really good in front of the audience. So they go, "Woohoo, woo, Bridget, she's a superstar. We really like Bridget. And so you, you, your ego is invested and in, You don't want to look like a fool. Of course, a little bit on the side, uh, the most powerful card in the major arcana of the tarot is the fool. Um, it's, it's a zero card. And there's, t- there's 22 cards in the major arcana and the zero card. And until you're willing to be foolish until you're willing to make a blah, blah, out of yourself uh, as often as possible, uh, then you are concerned about making a fool out of yourself, which then creates tension in, in your body. And you know, I don't want to make a fool. I don't want to make a mistake. I to make, so why would I stand up in the first place and, and, and stand in front of an audience if I'm afraid of making a fool out of myself? And so many of the public speaking classes that I've done uh, attended both in the chair and on the stage it always incorporates some foolish act, some foolish activities, uh, and that's the. That's my that's my response to your question. You wrote a blog
0: post on your website acamindfulyou.com, dot com about the five reasons people fear public speaking, and that one right there, that fear of making a fool of yourself, is right up there in the top five. That's right what can people do to overcome that fear of, I don't know, appearing foolish? I mean, yes, you can take the classes and yes, you can poke fun at yourself. I love self-deprecation. I, I, that's just always been my jam. I have no problem with it. What can people do right now, short of taking a course or what have you? to get past or to embrace, maybe that's the better word, embrace feeling comfortable with being a little uncomfortable, I guess you
1: could say. If I had the magic wand, uh, the, the way I would suggest to your audience is to uh, go to a place that is quiet that you can close the doors you're you're going to be free of distractions or or minimize distractions. Sit in a comfortable chair. Keep your feet flat on the floor. And have in front of you a mirror. And keep your eyes closed. Get your body perfectly relaxed. Relax, get your body. and When you think your body's relaxed, take another look. Keep your body relaxed. Especially the, the last muscles that are going to be relaxed, which were, the one, which were the first muscles in the amoeba in the ocean, were the jaw muscles. Because as the amoeba went through the ocean, it would be like a, you know, opening its mouth and eating and eating and eating. And so with the humans, the jaw muscle, they don't think about that. But usually, when you can drop the jaw, that will relax your body. And when you, can, when you get your body relaxed, and you, and you can take that, that breath, you can now create a space, you can create a pause like I just did between the sounds that I speak. And it's important to understand that who are you speaking for? You're speaking for me. Uh, so I'm, you, you speak for you, Bridget. I speak for Alan. I speak for me. Well, what is me? Well, me is your identity. Well, what is your identity? Your identity is everything that you consider yourself to be. Uh, a man, an American, uh, a football fan, uh, uh, Married, children, religious, whatever my identity is—that's who I am speaking for, and that's called the ego. And the purpose of trans of transpersonal psychology is to figure out a way of escaping from the grip that the ego has on you, and achieve that state of freedom of, of, of beyond the thoughts that you think. And so the confidence that you have increases when you're willing to disrupt the automatic, conditioned, habitual, reactive behavior of your speaking by pausing. And so by looking at the mirror, uh, you open your eyes, you look at the mirror, don't have to say anything to the mirror, Just, just look at, see if you can just look at your eyes in the mirror and keep your body relaxed, and you'll notice that most people can't do that. They can't even, in the privacy of their bathroom, by themselves. They can't even hold eye contact with themselves and keep their body relaxed. So that would be step one, to check that, be able to do that. Don't worry about talking to an audience. Can <laughs> you talk to yourself? And then the next step would be to step two would be keep your body relaxed, open your eyes, and make a few sounds. And when I say make a few sounds, The average amount of sounds per minute that a person speaks is 125 to 140 sounds per minute. I'm talking about divided into two, 70 sounds per minute. That means you're taking 70 sounds out and you're putting 70 pauses in between the sounds. And that will get you the ability to control your timing and it will control the, I say, it will will control the tongue of the ego. You can't control the thoughts that the ego thinks right now, but you can certainly control the the thoughts that the ego speaks. And that gives you power. That gives you confidence that you can do. Just start with the mirror work would be the way I would recommend.
0: Those are fantastic recommendations. Fantastic. Fantastic. Alan Carroll, an educational psychologist specializing in transpersonal psychology, and he is the founder of Alan Carroll and Associates, is a successful public speaker, trainer, coach, and corporate consultant. Alan and his team have delivered the Mindfulness in Action workshops since 1983 to more than 50 or in more than 50, actually, we probably should say 60 countries.
1: 60 countries, right? It's gross.
0: Yes. <laughs> You've been busy. You have some frequent flyer miles or two or three. That's
1: true. He has
0: been featured on ABC TV, and he has appeared on several radio programs and podcasts. Alan's passion is helping people experience mindfulness through the stage of public speaking. Alan is a caretaker of the earth, enjoying gardening, hiking, bicycling, and especially time with his family and friends. I am something of a cyclist myself. I'm sure I'm nowhere near <laughs> the cyclist that you are. I only took it up in late 2020 where I try to get in about an hour to 90 minutes each day, just oh. depends on how my schedule
1: Sure. Sure. what my
0: schedule permits. As a matter of fact, as soon as we finish, I am going to try to squeeze in a bike ride before I have another call. So we'll see how that goes.
1: Well, I find that, that that cycles are being outside in nature is another thing that you can do to improve your mental, physical, and emotional health. Get outside in nature, get 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 a place because nature is still. And when you begin to practice the pausing between the sounds that you speak, you're creating a little pocket of stillness. No agitation, it's just calm. And 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 as you begin to create those little pockets of stillness. You begin to—I know your audience can't see it, but I know you'll be able to see it. When when you speak, you get really agitated. You're, you're, all the thoughts get stirred up. But when you pause, all the thoughts calm down, and all of a sudden you now are clear. You you can clear clearly see what's happening in front of you. Uh, Psychology-wise, you can clearly see because you're. Oh, but the emotions aren't getting in the way. You're able to stabilize your thoughts and men- mental equilibrium is, is, is an important, but emotions create agitation, which, which create imbalance. And so you are not balanced making decisions, but you're not balanced when you're making those decisions. And so the, 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 the tactical the decisions may work, but a strategical a long-term, uh, you shouldn't have done that. But but in the moment, boy, the ego wanted to be really, really right, wanted to say what I wanted to say, but there's a penalty for it. And so part of the mindful, spacious speaking is to uh, escape from that, that grip that the ego has on your, on your actions.
0: With this mindful, spacious speaking, it sounds incredible for the speaker. Definitely is a speaker-centered strategy. I cannot help but to think about the audience and the fact that this is beneficial to your listeners, because I say this all of the time, Alan, as a speaker, you oftentimes find yourself delivering some of the same topics or same workshops multiple times. Maybe there's a slight tweak here or there. And sometimes you can, I don't know what it is, you can accidentally lapse into getting really fast with your speech because it's all here in your head. You know exactly what you want to say and you're going to get it out really, really fast. And I like to tell people, yes, it makes sense to you. You've heard it a million times. Let's say this is your first time doing the presentation but you practiced it over and over again before you went on stage. So you've got the ideas here, but when you slow down and when you're more mindful, Not only is it a great strategy for you, the speaker, but it's a great strategy for your audience because although you have heard this message however many times before, your audience is hearing it for the first time. So this creates thinking time and thinking space for the audience as
1: well. That's right. Absolutely the truth. Recall there was an actor who did king and i was huel brenner and he was asked my goodness huel brenner you've done the king and i in, in new york city 5000 times how can you possibly you know get all excited to do it again and he said well it's 5000 for me but it's the first time for the audience and so although i've done the trainings many many times the training always starts with a blank a blank canvas and the energy of the people, the energy of the room, uh, you paint a, a different picture at the end of the three days and no picture are, are the same. And, and when you're dealing with the concept of space, uh, space is a, a fifth element. There's, fo- there's five elements, earth, air, fire, water, and those elements exist in the physical world. And then there's the metaphysical element called ether, uh, called space, called the akash, uh, which is beyond the physical. And so what we're doing to transform public speakers, to transform presenters, is to use the fifth element. Well, what's the fifth element? The fifth element is the ability to consciously create an empty space between this sound and this sound. There's now an empty space there, and when there's an empty space, you can then take your magnifying glass and look at that empty space, and you discover that you have. There's a power in that empty space, and the power is the comes with the empty space is time. You have time as the presenter to think about how I want to formulate my next thought. Is my body relaxed? Have I oxygenated my body? Do I have breathing? Am am I, who am I going to look at? What gestures am I going to use? How am I going to change my voice? all that happens almost instantaneously. But if you can pause, it allows that thought form that you want to formulate and deliver to the audience to be of higher quality. So therefore, the impact that that thought form has on the listening of the customer is greater and if you just throw it over your shoulder of your PowerPoint slides and maybe they get something, maybe they don't, but you want to have powerful images and that pausing allows you to have the time to create a more powerful uh, thought form that will have l- a longer lasting effect on, on the customers rather than just, you know, just throw out the thought.
0: You brought up powerful images. I want to come back to that and ask you a question in just a second. After this question that I ask you, you will be able to ask me a question. And I, sure. I yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for it, but we'll see. We'll see what uh, <laughs> Easy questions.
1: Don't, don't worry about it.
0: So definitely one of my must-haves when I put together a PowerPoint presentation is, powerful images you and I both know a great image a great graphic will create all kinds of emotions that words can never create words on their own so that's just one of my must-haves or one of my best practices if I'm using a slide deck I have sure. to have great high, high resolution images what are some of your must-haves or some of the practices that you must do before a presentation
1: The number one characteristic of a professional speaker, and if you have this one, pretty much everything is handled, and that, that is, have you earned the right to speak? How thick is the ice under your feet? Are you on thin ice in front of the audience? Then you deserve everything you're going to get have you earned the right to speak do you have thick ice under your feet because when you when you are throwing the data out when you're pushing the data out you'll notice that there's a forward thrusting of your energy and you're pushing off of your feet and psychologically you're pushing off of your feet and if the energy if the if the ice is thin then there's a there's a there's a hesitancy a, a, a reluctancy to fall bore because I don't want to fall through the ice and look like a fool. And so have you earned the right to speak? Uh, step one, have you prepared? Have you, you know, failure to plan is planning to fail. Have you, have you gone over in your thoughts what, what you want to say? Do you do you understand who the audience is? Do you understand what the pain that the audience has, that you are the doctor that's going to bring a solution to the to the customer so so what is the audience's pain and right and, and that goes back to when you deliver the presentation the people have a slide deck uh, first slide is title slide you know what's the title slide your name on it and blah 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 and usually the second slide is your agenda slide uh, well, these are the things we're going to be talking about Point one, point two, point three, point four. and I say you know what let's make that agenda slide the third slide Let's make let's put a second slide in there. The second slide, I call it the Wiffum slide, the what's in it for me slide. It's the value that I bring slide. It's my understanding of your pain. It's why you should pay attention to me for the next 45 minutes because I understand your pain and I got a solution that I believe that will satisfy this the pain, and therefore you will take the next step in the sales cycle. And nobody, nobody in 50 years, has shown me a second slide of a WIFM slide. Everybody shows me the slide of, my name is Alan Carroll. This is my title. This is my agenda. Boom, boom, boom. Let's talk about point number one. And so you're missing an opportunity to to enroll the the listening of the audience into your conversation because that's another problem you have. The other problem you have is that people are not paying attention to you. They got lots of stuff going on in their reality. And you're just one of the objects that, that is in their reality. And you want your object to shine and be bright and to be like a light that attracts people's attention and bringing value and letting the audience know that you understand their business and you believe you have a solution that will reduce their pain will cause them to say, I'm going to pay attention to Bridget for the next 45 minutes, because if she can really do what she said she can do that's valuable to me.
0: Well, Alan, that means in 50 years, you have never attended one of my sessions. There is no way (laughs) anyone who has attended one of my sessions will tell you, there is no way I'm giving you a title slide, then an agenda. I tell people, The number one reason adults will listen to you is they know why they should listen to you back to with them. You have to immediately give them a reason to lean in and that title slide alone will not suffice and then jump into the, into the agenda. You have not demonstrated for me that you get me, that you understand my challenges, that you understand why I'm sitting in here, and that you have a solution to the challenge that I am facing. You haven't demonstrated that. You must do that in your opening words. And I do it before I even tell people my name, Alan. And that is what I encourage listeners to do. You know the title of the session. Now I'm going to make sure I connect with you. I build a rapport with you. I give you a reason to move to the edge of your seat, and I help you understand that this is going to be a conversation and a two-way street, and then I let you know what you'll know or be able to do by the end of the session, and then I tell you how we will get there, and that's the agenda. So everybody, you can start with that title slide. That's fantastic. You should, but listen to Alan. You've got to put another slide in there before you get to that agenda. And that is giving your audience a reason to listen. Answering that question for them, what's in it for me? You must do that before you dive into your agenda. Great point, Alan. I love it, as you can
1: tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed a, a enthusiasm there. You, uh, you, 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 you enjoyed it because we, we shared. It's not like it's right or wrong. It just works. You know it's just like you want to. you want to make it work. It will work better if you tell them the value that you bring if you want them to pay attention to you rather than maybe at the end you show value because you know whatever. Yeah, and these are not hard idea. things to do, you you also mentioned uh, rapport uh, the The ability to establish a relationship with the audience starts before you even arrive. Uh, what What communications do you send out to the audience? Uh, where do you where do you park your car? What room are you going to be in? What what training room are you going to be in? Are we going to give you lunch today? you got, got breaks? So you give them all the logistical stuff. So the mind doesn't have to worry about what time does it start? How they are they gonna feed me? Do they have bathrooms? Da, 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 da. So all those things take away the attention. But if you can do all those things up front, then you're building that relationship. So you've already in, in the sports, for example, it's called warming up before you play the game. When you watch all the professional athletes, they are, you know, stretching and moving their body around and, and then they play the game. So that warming up before you start the presentation uh, by building the rapport and shaking hands and meeting people and ahead of time, your communication all influence the result that you that you're wanting to produce.
0: Hands down. All right, Alan, what is your question for me?
1: Well, I know you are, you know, a, a seeker looking for transformational ways of achieving levels of consciousness, and I'd like you to share with your audience the the practices that you do every day to become still and uh, get get your mind eyes closed, relaxation, yoga, breathing, just to get, get yourself calm before you jump into the pool of all these things happening in the world. What kind of practices do you have?
0: I have practices. I don't know that they're calming practices. I mentioned one of them earlier and I did not get a chance because of our calendar today in the house. I didn't get a chance to do it. But normally I start my day with a bike ride. I start my day with a bike ride. And while I'm on that ride, I might think about some things related to work. But a lot of the time, I am just enjoying the wind. I'm enjoying nature. I'm enjoying fellow exercisers on the trail. And those 60, 90 minutes are my time to, yes, you can think about work if you want, but you have that freedom not to, although I really do enjoy thinking about work because I love what I do. So I might stop. I might pull over to the side on the bike trail and type a few notes into my phone if I think of something and I don't want to forget it uh, between the bike ride and getting home. But that is one of my practices. And if I am away from home and do not have access to a bike, which you understand being a speaker yourself, you're traveling quite often at times, I will get in a walk. I've got to get in my steps. So I will get in a walk. And that is just, again, my time, to myself, to think about whatever I want to think about. And it's just that reset button each day. And so once I roll into the garage with the bike, okay, the the on switch is lit up and it's time to start the day. I try, and I'm not, I've not been consistent with this, but I try to engage in some reading, very particular reading each day to just kind of set me up with the right kind of perspective for the day, but definitely that bike ride or a good walk.
1: Yeah, that's it. Good for you.
0: What about you?
1: Uh, Well, we have definitely exercise. Uh, I have uh, followed a, a practice of yoga for years and it's been refined over the years, depending on what teacher is teaching. And the current teacher that I, that I'd recommend to your audience to look at would be Sadhguru S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U. He is pretty, pretty sensational. He speaks to, you know, huge, huge crowds of people. He's a, he's, he's a transcendent being and he offers practices. And so I've been involved with his organization and gone up to the different levels. And there's a, And I combine different practices. Uh, The idea would be uh, there are different types of yoga. And there's the, the Hatha yoga that people, it's the physical yoga, the stretching of the body. There's the Prana yoga, which is the yoga of breath and breathing exercises. And then there is Raja yoga. Raja yoga is the yoga of meditation. And that would, in Raja means king, it's the, it's the number one yoga, because the thoughts that you think paint the reality that you see. And if you can control the thoughts that you think, or the, the thoughts that you paint on the canvas about what I, what, what I see, oh, that's good, that's bad, that's right, that's wrong, uh-huh. So I'm painting my interpretation of what's so on this mind's eye canvas inside my, inside my head. And so as you begin to manage your your thoughts that you speak by pausing, it begins to help you manage the thoughts that you think. And what happens then is you discover that the paintbrush of creation is in your hand and I can paint you as a loving spiritual being or I can paint you as a negative and, and when, whichever way I paint you is the way I experience you. And so why would you paint someone to be anything other than a loving being? Because my ego says there are sons of a bitches, and that's what they are. and then and, and so the conflict is the ego. And so that's why my 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 journey, my my work, my my joy is to support people to escape from that grip of the ego and enjoy the beauty, the relaxation, the joy, the the bliss, the ecstasy of of a free, no I have thoughts, but I'm no longer my thought. Uh, I, I am the space that contains the thoughts. What does that mean? Well, you, you, can't, you can't describe it with words because you can't use concepts to explain a non conceptual place. But you have to practice pausing. It's and then experience. it's an experience. It's pausing, and then you begin to create spaces between the thoughts that you think. And that gives you, uh, that gives you freedom. That you didn't even know you were you didn't even know you were in a prison un- until you begin to practice making thoughts disappear. Then you realize I'm in a prison. I didn't know I was in a prison. My favorite movie, Bridget. You didn't ask me that question, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. My favorite movie is Matrix, Matrix number one, not two or three. This matrix number one, because that was a whoo big transcendent shift of we are in the matrix right now thinking that we are awake we are in a we are in a dream of thought right now Uh, and by pausing you begin to wake up to that empty space between the sounds that you speak and you become present and all of a sudden memory is is in the past and you're just seeing things as they are and you're not contaminating it with your opinions about it you're able just to see it as it is and that's mindfulness mindfulness is being able to see it without judging it and that takes time to practice that you don't you you just don't do that by 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 wiggling your nose you you have to you have to practice that one
0: i did not ask you your favorite movie what other question did i not ask you that needs to be put on the table
1: everything that we're talking about is doable you, my, my recommendation would be just set, set aside 30 seconds a day, 30 seconds. And in that 30 seconds, practice this one, this one technique. And the one technique, I'll call it the stop technique, S-T-O-P, the stop technique. And... So the first S is stop and become still. Stop from what? Stop from being like on a train. You're you're riding a train across the country and the train stops at the station. You get off the train, exercise your legs, take some breath, then get back on the train. Go to the next station, get off the train, exercise your legs. So the train that you're on is the train of thought. From the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, it's one continuous train of thought going through your consciousness. 65 80,000 thoughts a day pass through like a freight train in your consciousness and when you stop you step off the train of thought onto the platform and so the t with stop is take three breaths full breaths push your belly out get lots of oxygen in your body take three breaths and and, and the o is observe any tension in your body And as you breathe out, imagine the energy is going out of the soles of your feet into Mother Earth, into the ground, like a lightning rod discharging the energy, and your body becomes relaxed. So S is stop, T is take three breaths, full breaths, O is observe, release the tension in your body, and the P, proceed with kindness. Open your eyes and put a smile on your face, have a positive thought, and just do that one time for 30 seconds it takes 30 seconds to do and that will begin to disrupt because what will happen is that the thought that you were thinking before you did the exercise has evaporated has dissolved has has faded away and so the gravitational effect that that thought was having on you is is no longer bothering you anymore and your mom my mom count to 10 before you take action it's, it's get your get that energy calm again and that will, that will allow you to practice getting on, getting off, getting on, getting off. And eventually you'll be off your train of thought. You'll be on the station watching the train of thought rather than you are the train of thought. And that's the breakthrough of the ego, because the ego is the train of thought.
0: Alan Carroll is the author of The Broadband Connection, The Art of Delivering a Winning IT Presentation. Now, while the broadband connection uses the analogy of broadband technology, it is a non-technical book for anyone from any industry who is looking to better understand the components of being an effective public speaker. I encourage you to visit Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Alan's website, com, wherever you like to purchase books and get yourself a copy of Alan's book. That's The Broadband Connection, The Art of Delivering a Winning IT Presentation. Alan, what else do listeners need to know before they go out and make their next presentation, whether it's in person or online?
1: The The the, the big thing I said before is you you have to have earned the right to speak. Uh, And once you've earned the right to speak, the ability to control the timing will keep you awake when you're in front of the audience. But that takes practice. It's like going to the gymnasium. You got to go to the gym. You got to practice doing the push-ups. If you want to build a pausing muscle, you have to practice pausing. Nobody practices pausing. Everybody practices speaking. I'm speaking. I'm not not speaking. I am. Pa- I am not. I'm, I'm talking right now. And and pausing is not what I want to do. I want to speak right now. But when I pause between the sounds, you wake up. But you didn't know you were asleep. And you wake up and you become grounded and present. It's called being embodied rather than disembodied. When you're in, when you're lost with your thoughts inside your head which you can clearly see when you watch somebody speak because there's no space at all between the sounds so that means the ego is constipated and as you put space between the sounds like I call that I call that space oil you're you're oiling the, the 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 space between the sounds and that's that that is lubrication and it turns out that the space is the lubricant that reduces the friction. So mindful, spacious speaking is also called friction-free speaking. There's no friction between the sounds, there's space between the sounds. And when you can put space between the sounds, then, then you have the ability to, to, uh, be, to become present and, and to become anchored and to become awake um in in that moment, and most people don't even think about pausing. They always think about creating the next sound.
0: Fantastic conversation, fantastic recommendations. Just an outstanding time with you. Alan Carroll, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Oh, it's uh, you it's not really work. You' said it's not you you do something that you love to do. Uh, and so talking about this subject that I've been involved with for all these years in my own personal growth, it's, it's my own personal desire to get better and better and better. And then I had the opportunity of watching thousands and thousands of people speak. It really gives you, oh, all they got to do is is just pause. Yep. All you got to do is just pause and that will free you from the anxiety, the nervousness, the uncomfortableness, the ill at ease. Uh, but that once you're present, you better have a, you better have a story. You better have value that you bring to the audience. Otherwise, what's the point?:
0: There you have it. everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. I am Bridget McGowan. Thank you so much, Alan Carroll, for joining us. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.